Hello and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend, where we go behind the scenes and talk to the creators of independent entertainment. I'm Jason Godby, and with me in the Rabbit Hole studio today, if you've been following the show, you know my guest, you love him, he's been on Indie Film News, he is the master of all things sound and music for Behind the Rabbit Productions, as well as the man behind Soundhouse Audio. Welcome back, my good friend, Mr. Chris Gillard. Welcome back, man. Hey, man, good to see you. Good to see you, buddy. Um, yeah. It's been a minute since yeah. we did this. We were doing the indie film news thing for a bit, which I appreciate you you produced for us. Well, that was an audio exclusive. If you guys want to go back and listen to those episodes, yes, please do. And so, but today we're talking about some serious business. We're getting yeah. into the sound, the the, the studio sound, the, the whole gear setup that you've got for that. And this will kind of tell you guys out there how to build your own sound kit at home, your own professional studio setup and you know hopefully probably on something of a, of a budget now this is stuff that you've been building over a lot of time over years many years yeah, yeah. so you don't have to get you don't have to get all this stuff at once right all right so let's break it down let's i think probably the best way to do it is let's go hardware all and right. then software yeah that makes sense all right so for the hardware Let's talk about uh, kind of what you record into. You have a Mac computer, yeah. but you also have an interface that you use. So yeah. Tell us about that. Right now, I'm using the Behringer uh, FCA16 interface. It's um, eight channels in, so I can record up to like eight mics or eight, you know, audio sources. It's a rack mount unit that I have sitting, you know, like in my desk. And it's, you know, it's it was, I believe it's... Gosh, I've I've had mine for a couple of years now, and I believe it was like four twenty five when I bought it. Okay, so, you know, reasonably priced. You know, good sound, easy to hook up to just about anything. So for a layperson like me who doesn't know this stuff, like you know this stuff, what does the Behringer unit do? That's where you have all of your sliders and stuff, right? No, that is the the interface. Basically, what you're recording into, you know, you've got to have something in order to get the sound from the microphone into the computer, basically. Okay. All right. This is converting your your practical sound into digital sound. Correct. Okay. And that's and, and that enables you to plug in your different instruments, your different microphones, your MIDI, all that stuff. And record into the and, software. And record into the software, right. which we'll get into in a minute. Right. Okay. So that's that's just the board. That's your interface board. Right. And then to manipulate the sound once it goes through the interface board, what are you using for that? I have another Behringer... Uh, piece of equipment it's called the uh, the Behringer X touch which is a it's like a it's a MIDI mixer controller basically it really doesn't work as it's not a standalone mixer like it basically it's a physical controller for your recording software that interfaces with your Cubase, your, your Pro, Pro Tools, tools your all that logic. Yeah. Okay, but it just gives you like physical yeah, like fader, physical faders, physical buttons you can press without instead of having to do everything with the mouse. Yeah, yeah. So you don't you're not sitting there working on just digital uh, right. faders. Yeah. Okay, so you have those two pieces now. What made you go with Behringer as opposed to? Sennheiser or one of the other, you know, many, many brands out there. Um, what was about that piece of gear? that? And what's the name of the, the gear again? It's the X-Touch. The X-Touch. X yeah. Behringer's line has become very, very, like, their, their, what they've, their, their product offering has increased a lot. And just the features in the products they're coming out with now are... are for the price, like at the price point they're at, like you can't, you kind of can't beat them. 
you know, for for the X Touch is like seven hundred dollars, and it's like eight motorized faders. You got your all your transport controls, jog wheels, so you can like you know scroll through your timeline without having to again click through it with the mouse, and you can connect it to your computer. You can connect that X Touch can connect to Behringer's mixer line, like their wireless mixers. You can connect to that and control that with it as well. So you can mix, um, in theory, you could mix like live sound on yeah, the set with absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. So you could, you know, it's it, you can use it's it. It's a multi-purpose yeah. type. Exactly. Thing. You can use it in the studio. You can use very it cool. on set. You can use it in a theater. You can use it anywhere. So for you, so now that th- those are your your the physical stuff, and that's going into your iMac, right? Uh, and you and, and I also have a keyboard, and then you uh, and you have like a, a piano you, keyboard. A piano p- keyboard is right. now is that all MIDI interface? That yeah, you're using? that's okay. all. A, that's that's just a MIDI controller. Again, that's another thing that you know doesn't really do anything unless it's connected to a computer. Like I can't just plug it into an amp and you know, right? It only controls you know whatever sound you have loaded into again into your software. And, and what's the make <clears throat> and everything of that? Uh, that is an M Audio Key Station. It's I have the eighty eight key version. It's um, it's nice. It's like it's eighty eight full size keys, semi weighted. You know, for the again for the price. You can't kind of can't beat it. I will say the keys are a little noisy on it, like when you're actually just a little clicky. Yeah, a little okay. clicky. But other than that, that's my have had it for like three, four years. That's my only complaint. Do you just use that to compose music, or do you plug sound effects and stuff in there too? Sometimes I use it to trigger sound effects, but mostly it's you know I'm I'm playing piano, recording piano parts, recording string parts, recording horn parts, drum parts, even like I I, I used to have a little drum pad unit for you know recording drums. But by then, I had been doing it on a piano keyboard for so long that I'm just used to the piano keyboard. Mm-hmm. And so I even, I, I even do my drums like on the piano keyboard. And so all in all, now you're able to use this stuff for, use it for sound design, use it for Foley, you do ADR, and all the music stuff that you do. Correct. Now for the mixing table, is that mainly just for music or are you mixing entire movies with that? Oh, entire movies. Yeah. Okay, like cool. Everything I do, like, you know, I have I have the X Touch which has eight faders and then I also have they have a, an extender which is basically just an add-on unit that gives you another 18 eight faders for a total of 16. So, you know, I've got 16 faders and you can scroll through them. So, like, however many tracks you have in your project, if you've got 32 tracks, you can control all 32 of them. You just have to scroll through, you know. Very cool. The current setup that I have, I assembled with versatility in mind. Right, because you want to be able to do all of this stuff. Exactly. Now, the stuff that you've got, it's it's moderately priced, but it's not cheap. Are there other units? Like, first of all, do you need this stuff? If you're going to mix, you know, do you need the physical faders, or would you recommend somebody starting out just kind of using their, using their software faders and then going into, like getting that once they've kind of built up a business kind of thing? You don't need this stuff. It just makes the work so much easier. You know, yes, in terms of like the 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 controls, in terms of like the transport controls, the stop start, like all the editing and selecting controls you can do with the X Touch, you can very easily do those if you know the computer keyboard shortcuts for for the software you're using. No question about that. But you know, my thing is, no matter how many of the, how well you know the shortcuts, you can still only move one fader at a time with a mouse. Right, can, you can't grab like all like ten of them, like one with each finger, and sort of adjust them all like relative to each other. Which is, you know, 
some sometimes you need to do that. It's more like being in a real recording studio. Right. And is that, in terms of your interfacing with the computer, is that the extent of your hardware? Do you have more stuff on top of that that you um, use? In terms of the studio setup, that's that's really the heart of it. For the most part, when you're recording stuff there, you know, of course you use instruments and things like that, mm -hmm. and you can use your Behringer interface to plug in guitars and mm -hmm. uh, microphones Phones, and so forth. Yeah. So if somebody's looking to do more film stuff, like say you need to do an ADR session mm -hmm. or something like that, um, what kind of gear do you have, like the physical gear, what, what kind of gear do you have for that sort of setup? Basically everything I have, what you, you know, the, all you really need for stuff like that is you just have to, again, you have to have an interface that allows you connect to connect your microphones to the computer. And then you need, you know, not even you don't even need a huge selection of microphones, but you can you you probably there's a few kind of sort of not must haves but really needs. Okay, let, let's in terms of mics. Let's get into mics because you know right now I'm talking on this condenser mic, mm -hmm. and you're talking on uh, the good old reliable SM58. Yeah. So when you record say uh, audio. Overdub audio, say you're doing voiceover or ADR for film, do you use a mic like mine or a mic like yours? Like yours. Like condenser, this. yeah. Okay, so. A condenser mic. And why is it important to have a condenser for that type of work? To me, it's it's hard to describe. It's hard to put the difference in sound quality between like a, con a large diaphragm condenser mic and say a, a dynamic mic like the SM57 or sorry, SM58. It's. I don't know. To me, condenser mics, it's just a complete sound in terms of, like, the stereo feel. Is it better for voices, would you say? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely. To me, condenser mics almost always add, like, a dimension of, like, warmth to a voice that, you know, whether it's male, female, that you don't really get as much with a dynamic mic, I think. As opposed to, like, if you were recording music or something like that. Like, um, if you were you were miking a guitar or something like that. There's yeah, all different types of right. mics for that. If I were miking a guitar or something, like an instrument, I would probably use, like, a smaller diaphragm condenser mic. But, you know, at the end of the day, as I was taught, you know, by the engineer who, who I learned from, you know, basically was like, you use the mics you have. Ultimately. Right. That's, that's, so if you've got an SM58. Yeah, that's what you use. Now, you've also got some baffling and things like that that you use. Yeah. How is that important? Because, you know, when you're doing ADR, the thing that always gets me about ADR in particular is it sounds like ADR. Right. A lot of the times. Like, mm -hmm. you'll see two people and they're driving in a car and then you'll hear this voice that sounds like it comes from a totally different, different place, place kind right. of thing. Yeah. I've noticed it in a lot of like dialogue heavy movies. Mm -hmm. You have two people in a park in Manhattan and then they sound like they're in they're a room somewhere. somewhere yeah. How important is it to have like a clean environment when you're setting up your home studio so that you don't get like because you have to den the noise. Right. But then you got to put noise, noise back, back in, in when you're exactly. doing the ADR. So does does the micage help for that or is it is it more like the studio and the baffling and all that kind of stuff. My goal always when I'm recording ADR is to just get the cleanest, driest signal I can get. What I'm starting to get into now, and I'm planning, you know, I'm driving across the country next week, so I'm actually going to take my uh, my Zoom recorder and my laptop with me. I'm going to start doing, um, like, basically getting impulse responses because there's a thing you can do now where you can... Like, if I want to get the sound of St. Patrick's Cathedral in Midtown, I can go there with my laptop and a microphone and just get a couple of recordings of me clapping in the space. And I can put that into my reverb plugin in Logic. 
and it can recreate that space with any piece of audio I put into it. Wow. So I want to start building a library of impulse responses. I have some, but I want to like start making my own. So like if you're in a car and you want it to sound like a the car, car, you can I make just, every yeah, reverb yeah, sound like that. I can like just that. take it, sit in the laptop, with, with the laptop in the car, clap a couple of times, feed that recording. Oh my god, that's yeah. really cool, man. Yeah. You always told me about stuff that like just blows my head open when you like the sound stuff, because uh, you know I, I'm. I don't deal with sound. You know, other than this show, this is the most sound <laughs> that I record. Uh, so it's always good to have someone like you that, that knows what they're talking about. Yeah. And you know, sound is so important. Like it's so important to a film. It's and if you're trying to do the self, or, or if you're a sound mixer out, you know, Chris also does stuff like on a budget as well. Like this right. is stuff that he's acquired over a long time. We're going to get into software in a minute, but in terms of any other physical stuff that people would need to know about setting up their own studio, um, uh, can you yeah, give me I mean, like a rough outlook of like the space and stuff? Yeah, for what, it? what you need is you know, you need a computer. Basically, you you can find what the current best specs are for like an audio production computer, whether you want to go with a Mac or PC, any pretty much anywhere online. You need an audio, some kind of audio interface. You know, one good thing about pretty much every model, if you're, you know, looking into like doing what I do and doing like production sound as well, pretty much every model of Zoom recorder can also work as an audio interface. So you, in theory, you could use your F8 for that? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty much. Any, every model, like my handheld, the F8. The, oh, no kidding. So it, even like know. an H4n or yeah. H5n can like do you it. Can, you can use to connect computer and like, you know, use that as your audio interface. So there's a lot of different devices. You don't have to buy a dedicated interface like mine. There's lots of different devices now that can double as an interface. That's um, really cool because you can get more bang for your buck that exactly, way. Exactly, exactly. So, so in theory, you could take, say you're, um, say you're a sound recorder sunset, mm -hmm. and you want to start doing more mixing. You want to start doing more post sound. You could start out by just taking, you know, if you have to do ADR, if you have to do some other kind of mixing, you can take your H5n or your F8. Or your sound device, or what, yeah. and plug that into your computer, and just use that as yes. the, uh, the interface. Fabulous. Yeah. So, and then in terms of the space itself, um, I think that's probably the hardest part for most people. Yeah. You know, I mean, the the space. Yeah, that's usually in terms of space. You know, the one of the things and that you for an acoustically, at least an acoustically okay space, is you don't want a room that's equal dimensions. Like, you don't want a big square. Right. You don't want a room that's 10 feet long by 10 feet wide by 10 feet tall. Why don't you want that? Um, you get what's called standing waves, and it's it's it just causes, like, problems, like, just because of, like, literally it's like the physics and the math of how sound works. Just reverberating. Reverber yeah. Okay. So it's best if, you know, you're, again, unequal dimensions, like maybe a room that's a little bit, maybe a few couple feet longer than it is wide or something like that. I find that, you know, my, my apartment has hardwood floors and my studio is in my apartment, which means my studio has hardwood floors. Right. Um, and I have found, you know, at least I know that, you know, even like big brick and mortar studios that I've worked in, they'll have some rooms that are hardwood, some rooms that are carpeted. For different sounds. Mm -hmm. Interesting. You know, I like having the hardwood because if I want, you know, to, to change the sound, I could, I have... Half of the room, I have a rug, and then I can also, you know, what I learned from the guy who taught me was, like, the best thing about hardwoods is if you want to, like, deaden the sound a little bit, just throw some blankets on the floor. Let's get into software now, because okay. I think that's probably the thing that people yeah. want to know the most. Sure. Now, you have three different types of software. 
I have three different, yeah, DAWs. Three. What's a DAW? For? A digital audio workstation. That's okay. like the, you know, the, the recording software. Like that's like Pro Tools, Cubase, uh, Ableton, FL Studio. So you have, you have, and which, 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 which ones I, do you use? I own Pro Tools. I don't use it that often. I own Cubase. I use it a little more often than Pro Tools, but I work mostly in Logic Pro X. Okay, and what was the thing like? Just get into a little contrast and compare here. Mm-hmm. Why you know, like why Logic versus like why use Logic over Cubase or why use Logic over Pro Tools? Is it just because of your personal comfort level with it, or are there things in that that you that you feel work better for the type of work that you do? Uh, yes. All of the above. above. Okay. This was like probably the most common question I was asked when I was teaching audio was, you know, what's the best DAW to buy or use? Right. Um, I figure that's probably what our our listeners are going to want to know too. Yeah. And, you know, my answer was always, first, the thing to understand is we're at the point now where they all can kind of do all the same stuff. They all just kind of have a... A specialization like you know Ableton is kind of more for people who are more like DJ type performers who like trigger live sounds you know? okay FL studio tends to be used a lot more nowadays by like a lot of hip-hop and R&B artists Pro Tools is like you know it's the industry standard it is like you know bottom line it is the best quality digital multi-track recorder still even though but you know the thing with Pro Tools is that it does. That's all it is. It doesn't come with anything else. It doesn't come with any like you know virtual instruments. It doesn't come with a lot of sound effects. It doesn't come with you know. You still even when, once you buy Pro Tools, you still have to like really have a studio. You still gonna have to spend another several thousand dollars on on plugins. And Cubase comes with quite a lot of stuff. I honestly, I really like Cubase. I don't use it as much only because I by the time I got Cubase, I was already so familiar with Logic and I just can work so fast in it now. But I really do like Cubase. Logic I got because I, I went with and started with and I'm still with because even, you know, when I started using Logic back in 2008, it was still like just about one of the cheapest softwares out there. Um, it comes with so much, like tons of like, again, sounds, drum sounds, like, strings and everything, synthesizers, like all kinds of stuff that's like just comes with it. And So this would be a good tool for the composers out there. Logic's sort of niche within the DAW market is that it is what they call a studio in a box. Right. Like you, you can just buy this one piece of software. It has everything you need. You can go home and be making music tonight. As opposed to the as, other ones. As opposed to the other ones where, you know, again, Cubase to an extent comes with a lot of stuff, but not as much as Logic does. Cubase is really good. I will say that Cubase has a particular... A set of features that make it really, really good for working with film and video. Oh, really? Yeah, that's why a lot of film composers work in it. Now, with all of these programs, say you're a composer and you want to, you know, you're mixing or you're composing uh, all of these. I don't. I'm not sure about Pro Tools, but they have an interface where you can put the video in the program, oh, yeah. right? Yes, absolutely. And you can kind of watch you and play. It, yeah, and, it, and it's saying you can, you know, put it in your. In Logic, just about all of them, it pops up at the top of the screen, and it's it's in line with your music, and you literally can watch the, the film and open. You can even open it up in a separate window. That's what I usually do, and have it on a on another monitor, and have, so that I'm you know. And this way, you can make sure you can make sure that you're hitting points in the film. So if you if you know when that cue comes in, you can hit it right on that frame. On that that frame, you need, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, which is which is much you know 
better than kind of guessing, guessing at it, you know. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah. So if you were, say, you're a, a composer and or you're you know a novice composer, and say you know the biggest heavy duty DAW you've been using is like GarageBand mm-hmm. or something comparable to Garage, maybe even like Audition. What's the what would you feel like is the best upgrade? For like, if you had in terms of user friendliness, mm. in terms of familiarity, I mean, my guess would be that if you're a GarageBand user, going to something like Logic, Logic yeah, because like Logic's like the big brother of yeah, Logic. it's like it's like GarageBand on steroids. Yeah, I've used GarageBand somewhat. I don't know, and I I, I think I barely scratched the surface of it because mm-hmm. that program now is yeah, pretty like, robust. Even, yeah, even yeah, I was gonna say like they've added a, honestly a lot of features that have been in Logic for years, have now been ported over to GarageBand, which I I wasn't even aware of until, like, fairly recently. Like, I, I just, you know, opened up GarageBand. I was like, whoa, you can do all of this stuff in here now, too? Yeah, they've got, like, virtual drummers in yeah, there. Yeah, like, that, like that, that was that was a feature that, that was came from Logic. Like, that's been in Logic for years now. And they, okay, you have it in GarageBand now. Let's talk tips. Like, that's your software. Uh, you can use all three kind of, depending on, mm-hmm. you know, what the demand of the project is. Right. I imagine that different pieces for different projects right. kind of thing. Yeah. But if you're working with a production company, like, no, we only use Pro Tools, we only use Cubase, you yeah. can, you know, work in those interfaces. Right. But but you don't need all three. No, you don't need all three. The last piece of, you know, or I guess the piece of the software puzzle is making sure you have, like, a good library of, A, sound effects, and, B, you know, virtual instrument software. Because that's what can, especially if you're starting out with indie stuff where you're not going to go into a studio and like re-record with an orchestra and like your MIDI tracks are going to go in the film. Or the London Philharmonic, they're busy that weekend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, or just if you want to record demos or stuff. Right, exactly. You know? That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, your demos would be, you know, that's what they would be. But on a, on a big budget film, you'd take those demos, print out sheet music then go in the studio and re-record it with with an actual orchestra. But now, like, you know, from what I've heard, the stuff that we've done and the other stuff that you kind of don't need it, depending on where, I think maybe depending on where your film's going to go. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, know, if you're on an indie budget, then, you know, and you don't have the money to hire an orchestra, somebody who really knows what they're doing can really give you something good with just MIDI. But again, if you have the budget and it's still done with a live orchestra, like and you can, uh, it'll do all your orchestrations and everything right in there for you. Mm -hmm. Do you have any last minute, any other tips for people who are looking to get into this or Um, or looking to build their own home studio? Just start with a computer, an interface, a microphone, and you know, if you play keyboards, get you a little MIDI keyboard that can connect to your computer. It doesn't need to be a full-size, just something you can afford and that can connect, be read by your software. Just start playing around with it. That's all you, you know, this all, for me, this all started back in 2008. I walked into the Apple store and bought a copy of Logic Express and went home that night and recorded a song and... That's where it began for me. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. So uh, we're going to wrap up, but thanks so much for, for coming. I always appreciate you coming down and talking sound stuff because it's stuff that I don't know anything about. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, if you're a, a budding sound person or if you, you're looking to be looking to compose, this is all great information from a practical standpoint. This is somebody who actually uses this stuff all the time. All right. So I'm going to wrap up, but thanks so much for coming and thank you all for taking this trip down the rabbit hole. For more episodes, 
episodes of this show, you can always find them on our website, NoRestOfTheWeekendPodcast.com. You can also subscribe to us on all the major podcast channels. Uh, and now we're on Patreon if you want to subscribe there. So it's Patreon.com slash NoRestOfTheWeekend. There's a lot of cool stuff up there uh, that you can check out. But uh, once again, I'd like to thank my guest, Chris Gillard. Thank Thanks you. for coming, buddy. We'll do some more shows like this when yes, we have sir. more stuff to talk about. For Behind the Rabbit Productions, I'm Jason Godby. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.